Well, it's daylight savings. I imagine that some of you here uh, are nine o'clock people, but you're here at 11 today. Some of you watching online, same thing. Uh, I might be a little bit too excited. I don't know. It's spring forward, and what better than to ask Pastor Spring to preach? And so, you know, I just thought this was all about me, but it's probably not. Um, but uh, I, I don't mind this, uh, which is probably why Pete asked me to preach, but I don't mind the spring forward. I'm a morning person. I, we do have some morning people. If you're online, how many of you are morning people here? Okay. Uh, all right, a third of us. All right. <laughs> now, I, I, we, we are mostly uh, morning people at our house, but uh, we have one individual in our home that is not. It's our little dog, Emmett. And uh, Emmett likes to stay in bed for about a half an hour after we get up, get around, get coffee, then we go to find him. But anyway, that might be you this morning. Maybe you're feeling a little bit that way. But, uh, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy it's, it's becoming spring. I know it's fake spring right now. A couple of years ago, my son got married April 14th. We had eight inches of snow. So I, I get that there in the back of my mind, I'm like, it can still happen. Probably tonight, right? But... Uh, but um, I got the motorcycle out this week, started it up. I'm getting ready for, for the summer, getting ready for the spring. And uh, my wife was driving over. I'm not riding my motorcycle right now because people aren't used to bikes being on the road. And so uh, I was reminded of this because my wife went to the other side of the state. And she called me after she got past Grand Rapids. She had pulled over to get a cup of coffee. And uh, as she was getting back on the expressway, this truck came up flying behind her, went around her on the, on the side of the road, pulled in front of her, and then slammed on his brakes. And uh, she almost hit the truck. And she was a little shaken up, took a few minutes, and then she got back on the road. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thankful. I was, I was thanked God that she was, you know, safe. And then I went right into the, dear Jesus, I pray down curses upon this individual. May the state police, you know, I, but there's a, I don't know about you, but for me, when stuff like that happens, when things go wrong or someone wrongs me, um, I do have a tendency to kind of wish them ill. Do you, you ever, does that ever happen to you? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> I know for some of us, uh, you know, for some of you, you might be a student at school and you work really hard and you're doing your homework and you're doing what you should be doing, but then there's this other student or students who cheat and just seem to always get by. You know they are, and you, you, you want to tell the teacher, but you don't want to be that narc, and so you might kind of talk about them behind their backs, and you secretly hope that they get caught, right? That your grade is better than theirs. Maybe you're, a, you're at work and you know a coworker who is cheating on their spouse with someone else at work, and you secretly or openly hope that the company will find out and they will get fired or get what's coming to them. Maybe you see someone who posts an article on Facebook of an imposing view of yours and then the article disappears because it wasn't factual. And you begin to gloat over those people who don't do their research and read up before they share and you're just a, you're just a little giddy, you're a little happy that they're embarrassed. Maybe it's an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend, right? And you find out that, uh, that they got dumped by a new boyfriend or girlfriend and they're going through some pain and you're just a little happy that uh, 
that they're going through what you went through when they broke up with you. Or maybe you're an Ohio State fan. That's it. Um, And you're just a little happy, just a little happy that you beat Michigan yesterday in the Big Ten Championship by one point, even though one of the U of M players is hurt and is suffering on the sidelines, and you're just a little happy about that. So if your mantra, right, if your mantra is, I hope they get what's coming to them, or what goes around comes around, if that's the type of attitude that we have when we are wronged, or when you see someone who is doing something wrong, then I want to just tell us, church, that we're more Buddhist and Hindu than we are Christian, because that's called karma, not Christ. There is a different way that God wants us to respond to those who are doing wrong when it involves our lives. And I hope today as we get into the text that we can answer the question, how are we to respond to those who are doing wrong? How do we as Christians engage in that? And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And for the last several weeks, we've been going through that. And Pastor Pete, several weeks ago, started off by letting us know about this church in Corinth. And Paul, the apostle, is writing a letter to this church, a church that he helped to found. It is a place where he lived for over a year. He knew some of the people. He saw them come to faith. And he had relationships with them. But now he was no longer in Corinth, and he is hearing stories of what was happening in that community and within that body, that church. And they're not good things. He's hearing stories that there's incest going on within the church. There are lawsuits uh, against other believers. There's spiritual pride that's happening. Uh, He's hearing that there's this dysfunction or abuse in worship where some people are getting together early and they're, they're eating together and they're getting drunk on communion. And, uh, and then others who might be of a lower class, right? They show up for worship and there's no food, there's no communion left. And everybody uh, who comes later uh, doesn't get a chance to worship. There's this abuse that's happening here. And so Paul is writing to this church and to these people that he knows and he's writing to correct their wrongdoing. Don't Don't mistake me. He is wanting to bring correction. There are things that they are doing that is not right and not in line with what God wants. But he starts off by reminding them that we have to start with love for God and love for others. It's about how we love. And so he says to the church in verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul starts off by telling the church, listen, you can have all of these things, but the one thing that you need is love. And so he begins this, what we call the love chapter, and many of us have heard it at weddings. Uh, perhaps uh, he starts off by saying, well, what, what is love then? What do we do to love? And he describes love this way. He says, love is patient, love is kind. Two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Pete called these the do's, right? This is what we're supposed to do. To be patient is to be long-suffering, to come alongside of someone, to 
to live with uh, them, whether they're doing right or wrong. There might be some issues that you have with them, but to continue to do life together with them, even if it's suffering for a long period of time. That's patience. Love is kind. It's extending mercy to others who might be hurt. It's reaching out to them and caring for their needs because the scripture tells us that our kindness and our love leads people to repentance. And so those were the do's of love. And then last week, Pete walked us through some of the don'ts. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. These are the things that we're not supposed to do as we are loving others. But we cannot do this on our own. This is something that we can't do. You can't wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to try harder to get this love right. This is something only the Holy Spirit can do in us. As we seek him and have dependency on him, he begins to change our heart, to melt our heart in places it needs to be melted. Today we're going to talk about this comparison or this contrast, if you will, of a do and a don't. In verse 6 of chapter 13, uh, Paul tells us this. That there are a couple of things that we're, one, to not do, one we are to do, but they're connected to each other. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Now, in the Greek, it doesn't, it doesn't really express in the English, at least in this version, more of what Paul is trying to say in the Greek. Because in the Greek, when you get into it, the words delight and rejoice come from the same root word. So Paul is contrasting these two rejoicing. It says in other versions, and I'll give them to you in the ESV and then the uh, New Living Translation, it says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. That's kind of that contrast, same words. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. What Paul is trying to say here is there are two different joys that we have or rejoicing that we have. Both have this idea of shouting, right? It's kind of the hail to the victors, except yesterday. It's, it's, this, it's this shouting out and celebrating, but the first one, this first rejoice, is to rejoice at or to rejoice over. So let's say there's an event that's happening or something that someone has done and you're pointing and going, look at that and you're celebrating and you're rejoicing over an issue or an event or something that has been done. The second rejoice is to rejoice with. That's different. That's to come alongside of, to be together with someone and celebrate together. And so I want to walk us through this, uh, this idea and what Paul is trying to communicate here. And the first part is this. Love does not delight in evil, and it is a picture that Paul is painting for us of people who are celebrating over someone who has done wrong. In the Corinth church, it was likely they were celebrating a young man who was caught in incest, and they were celebrating over the fact that he got caught, that this became an issue, that he was embarrassed. They probably rejoiced when someone from the church took another member from the church to court and they lost, and they were celebrating over that fact. They did something wrong, they got caught, and now they're paying the price, and they were celebrating what was happening, the suffering that was going on in their lives. 
They were perhaps thrilled, giddy over the fact that the, those who were prideful in the church were put in their place by Paul. When Paul corrected them, they were like, yeah, that's right. You think you're all that. See how the mighty have fallen. And they were celebrating over the fact that people were knocked down. They had become failures. And Paul is saying that love does not do this. Love does not rejoice over people who are either caught in sin or caught in injustice or caught doing something wrong or they're suffering because of it. Love does not do that. The true love of God expressed by his followers looks different. The true love of God is grieving. One of the commentators uh, had this to say about delighting in evil. To find pleasure in the fall or disgrace of another is the very essence of malice, the counterpart of Satan himself. It's pretty powerful. Paul's saying here, if you delight in evil and others being caught in doing something wrong, you're more like the devil than you are Christ. There is something wrong in here God needs to correct. That's not what love looks like. Love looks like grief when you see someone who is suffering or who is doing wrong or who is committing injustice. Anything that is wrong in God's sight grieves a heart that is full of love. Instead of rejoicing over the wrong, believers are to love by grieving over wrong. Someone who is fallen spiritually or is living in opposition to God, they are lost, they are broken. They are missing God's grace, His mercy, His love, His forgiveness, His peace, His hope. Anyone who is missing that from God, we should be grieving over that. And so when Paul describes love, he's contrasting these two ways that we expressed. And the first is, don't be gloating, don't be happy, don't be rejoicing over those who are doing wrong. But instead, rejoice with the truth. To rejoice with. And the truth is, the word in the Greek is to uncover, if you will, to be not concealed anymore. And what Paul is talking about here is not just facts. Oh, you did something wrong, let me tell you what's right. It's more than that. It's divine truth. It's the good news of Jesus, right? It's the gospel that once was hidden and has now become known. It's the truth that God loves all people. He has sent his son to die for their sins as well as yours. That God wants to put people on a new path, a right path. In other words, love rejoices when others discover the good news of Christ. It's to come alongside of someone who is committing injustice or wrongdoing and to share with them the good news that God loves them and he has another way for them, a way to freedom, a way to peace, a way to find satisfaction that this world cannot give. People, Jesus is the image of this love. Jesus is God in the flesh, and he is the one that if we're to look at to model this, he's the one to do it. One of the, one, there's a couple of passages. I, I think Zacchaeus, the story in Luke 19, is another example, but the one that stands out to me is in John chapter 8. 
There's a story in John chapter 8 of a woman who is caught in adultery and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious people, bring her to Jesus. They're gloating over the fact that she got caught and they want to trick Jesus. They want to trick him into doing something and saying that they were right. So they, they, they bring this woman and they say to Jesus, hey, the law that Moses gave us tells us we're supposed to kill her for what she did. What do you think? And in John chapter 8, it tells us that Jesus knelt down and he began to write something in the sand. And we have no idea what he was writing. Many scholars have different views of what they think he was writing. But at some point he stands up and he looks at the crowd that's happy that this woman has been caught. They are so much better than she is, they think. And Jesus says to them, if you've never sinned, if you've never broken the law, yes, she broke the law. If you've never broken the law, you can cast the first stone. Go for it. The Bible tells us that one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones. They walked away. And Jesus is left with this woman, and he says to her, Who, who's here to condemn you? The only person, interestingly, that hadn't sinned, that could condemn her was Jesus himself. She says, no one. He says, I don't condemn you either. Now go and live a life without sin. Go live a new life. Walk away from this and be on a new path. I think it's a wonderful picture of what Paul's trying to show us here as a church. That when we see someone who's doing something wrong, whether they're a part of the church or outside of the church, they're opposed to God, they're opposed to us, we don't gloat over it, we don't wish them ill will, we rather reach into their lives and we try to help them. We help them discover the truth of God's love and we help them to find a new path to experience God's love and experience what he has for them. Love makes allowances for the falls of others, and it celebrates when they are put on a new path. So I want us to remember this, if we can. If the situation is bad, if you see something that's going on, it is wrong. If the situation is bad, you step in, you help. If the situation is good, you celebrate. You come alongside of them, and you celebrate what God is doing in their life. If it's bad, you help. If it's good, you celebrate. And I just want to give you a glimpse into how my mind works, and it's not a good way. I'm just telling you, this is how I remembered this this week as I was thinking about this. When I was a kid, and I know it was a long time ago, people don't say this anymore. So those of you who are younger, forgive me. But when I was younger, uh, there was this phrase, talk to the hand. Remember this? And it was a way that, that if you had someone that you didn't like or they were trying to say something to you that you didn't want to have anything to do with, you would just kind of like talk to the hand. I don't, I'm not talking to you, but you can talk to my hand. I don't want nothing to do with you. And when I looked at the passage from Paul, I thought, you know, Paul is not saying talk to the hand. People who are doing wrong, doing injustice, Paul doesn't say, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with you and gloat over it. Paul says, don't, it's not don't talk to the hand, or don't talk to the hand, it's let me give you a hand. Do you, do you understand? It's not don't talk to the hand, let me give you a hand. Let me walk alongside of you, let me tell you my story of how I came to Christ, let me tell you what God can do for you. 
how powerful would it be, church, if all of us were reaching out to those around us that frustrate us, that are living a way that is opposed to God, but we came alongside of them having patience and kindness, having an expression of God's love, and we learned to get to know them and we began to reveal for them the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that they too might experience what you and I have experienced. And church, what a celebration, not only in the church, but the scriptures tell us in Luke 15 that all of heaven rejoices with someone who has been lost and is now found, who has been put on a new path, who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want. That's the picture that Paul is painting for the church. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in that truth when people's lives are transformed. Over the last several weeks, we've heard stories of people's lives that have been transformed and how others in the church have come alongside of. Jason, a couple weeks ago, through spoken word, shared his testimony of how he was not honoring God with his life. He was living in sin, and he wound up paying the price for his sin. And yet it was in that place that God met him and other followers came around him and helped him to discover a new life and a new path. And today he is evangelizing and he's helping and even in his job, he is helping those who are hurting and in need. We, we heard stories of Shar who her brother was opposed to Christ his whole life. Parents prayed for him, family prayed for him. He didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, but they continued to love him and they continued to pray for him. And just recently, he found Christ and he gave his heart to Jesus. And it was because they were right there alongside of him and now they get to celebrate that change. Today we heard Desi's story of how as she was starting to be bold for Christ and starting to follow God with her whole heart that, and share with other students what God was doing in her life and bringing healing and hope, that they opposed her, they made fun of her, and yet she stayed with it and prayed for them. And those very same people are the ones who are now in her group studying the scripture and experiencing God's love. If the situation is bad, we help. If the situation is good, we celebrate. It is uncovering the truth of the good news of Jesus for others. And my prayer, I'm sure as I'm sharing today, there are types of people or actual names of people that you can think, man, I can't stand them. I know they are living in sin. I know they're doing something wrong. Man, my prayer today is God would begin to soften your heart for you to enter in to have a relationship with them. Don't, don't keep them at a distance, but enter in and give them a hand and let them see the truth of the gospel. That's what love does. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to come before you, to hear from you, to hear from your word. Lord, this is simple and yet difficult to live to have the same heart for others that you do. Lord, that is not natural for us. Only your spirit can do that in us. And so, Lord, we are crying out to you and dependent upon you to soften our hearts that we might love like you do. Lord, help us not to delight in evil, but to rejoice 
in the truth as we help others discover who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.